Today, from the Compassion Radio Archives. Most of the time, you're not working in professional studios. Often the core parts of the program may be produced or read in somebody's bedroom, somewhere that has relatively good acoustics. You have to factor in there extra time needed trying to find food. Many roads and key bridges and infrastructure is destroyed and food is much harder to find. Who knows when you have power or don't have power. And you always have in the back of your mind at any time an air raid signal or incoming missile signal happens. Your free time, your creative time, your spiritual and mental buffer is taken up by the difficulties of life that take now three to four times as much time and emotions. Hello and welcome to the Daily Radio Journal of God's people living out the message of hope on the very front lines of faith. We're glad you've joined us today. Since Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, I'm often asked, what does it take to get a daily radio program up and ready for broadcast? Well, as journalists the world over can report, deadlines are deadlines and you do what you gotta do to fill the holes. True, but it's also true that I've never had to produce a program and turn it around in hours while ducking missiles and bombs. But many of our friends have, as you'll hear about today. For that, they get my highest respect and admiration. That they're doing their work for the benefit of the kingdom of God makes them my heroes. Perhaps you'll be a little inspired by the story as well. Friends, we're back today with a good friend of ours we haven't talked to in person for a while, but we've prayed for him a lot. It's Daniel Pled of Transworld Radio, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. Uh, Daniel, welcome back to Compassion Radio. Nice to be invited, Bram. Now, you and I have sat down and talked through some pretty tough stuff in the years past, and we even got a quick catch-up on what was happening with your work in the ministry of TWR, which is definitely front lines work supporting the church around the world. And we sat down and talked about what was happening right after the invasion of Russia into Ukraine, how deeply it affected your people. I want to start off today with an update. What's happened in the past year? Tell you about the people and the mission in Ukraine and also how that's affecting your Russian partners that have been with you for years and years, reaching the people of Northern and Central Asia in the Russian language. So first of all, fill me in. What's happened since the last year and how has it grown for your ministry in Ukraine And then we'll move on to how it's affected, what's going on with Russian partners. There were about five questions there, Bram, and I'm not sure about my memory. I know it. (laughs) This is not going to be a monologue. You got a layer there. I'll come back around if I need to. Please keep track what I didn't answer, what you want me to answer. Gladly. First thing is, in many ways, the ministry situation has stabilized. Good. That doesn't mean it's better. (laughs) I mean, it's good that you have something to work with you as a known quantity, perhaps. It means that people have learned how to minister in horrible Mm. conditions. Fair enough. Is it okay for you to describe some of those? Yeah. I say the bottom line is God calls us to minister regardless. Mm -hmm. When he called his disciples, when the Holy Spirit came on them and sent them out, and at the time of Pentecost, they were a severely repressed minority in a very strong, global, and cruel government. So if God meant it for them, it means for us we do it in any circumstance. And the Ukrainian partner has chosen to do so. When Americans work abroad, we tend to take our identity with us in our hearts. 
we think about ourselves as being part of a very open nation, a very powerful nation, and we don't leave that behind necessarily just because we walk out of our country. But your people had to learn over the years how to get inside the heart, as you said, of the first century Christians. What's it like to be embedded within other empires and also representing and living out the true calling of being a kingdom undercover, so to speak? So how has that played out then? What does it mean for the Ukrainian team over this past year to be embedded in really, really difficult circumstances? I'd say in the area of the world where we live in Central Europe, Eastern Europe, the former Soviet Union, a lot of people had this historically, and they lived under it since World War mm -hmm. II, maybe even earlier. But currently, for our Ukrainian team, it might mean you don't know when you have power. Mm. Most of the time, you're not working in professional studios. Right. Some of them have gotten some makeshift studios going. Often, the core parts of the program may be produced or read in somebody's front room or somebody's bedroom, somewhere that has relatively good acoustics right. and is silent. But you have to factor in there extra time needed trying to find food. Mm-hmm. Any extra travel time because public transportation is heavily disrupted. Many roads and key bridges and infrastructure is destroyed. And food is much harder to find. Yeah. And medical services are much harder to find or non-existent. Who knows when you have power or don't have power. And you always have in the back of your mind at any time an air raid signal or incoming missile signal happens. Yeah. So even if you have the time, you have had your free time, your creative time, your spiritual and mental buffers taken up by the difficulties of life that take now three to four times as much time yeah. and emotions. Can you tell me the differences between programming that you would have produced before the war began and what's actually going on the air now? Actually, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about because basically we've doubled our audience. Great. And we've created a whole new audience. Our ministry before was largely to the church in difficult circumstances. And so it was a high percentage of believers. There were non-believers getting saved, but a high percentage was to the church. Yeah. And to a church until about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, hadn't had a chance to have Bible schools, mm -hmm. training for pastors, counseling training. So a lot of our ministry was focused on that. Preparing and encouraging the church. And enabling the church and the believers, especially in remote areas when there weren't many churches. Right. So the, the sense of community was being brought to them, but it was kind of a one-way street. You had to wait a while for feedback or letters come back to you to say, this is how your ministry is affecting and encouraging me. Yes. We have roughly doubled our ministry and added just as many or more people now. Okay. And this second audience is probably 90 to 95% non-believers. Oh, good. One of TWR's slogans is speaking hope to mm. the world. There you go. Um, if you don't know when at night, you know, I... Take example, I've lived a lot in the Midwest of the U.S., and you can see the bad weather coming, and you mm -hmm. hear the tornado watch, and then the tornado warning, then you look outside and see this green sky and the tornadoes. Right. And they can happen any day. Imagine those are missiles. Yeah. A little faster than a tornado. And a little more destructive. Yeah. So you have that unknown factor there. People want hope. Yeah. You know, we put hope in a lot of things. Even I, as somebody who's known God a long time and seen him work, I can put hope in my security and my family, mm. how my kids are walking with God, my relationship with my wife, how is it going at church, 
How's it going with my ministry? You know, am I paying the bills? That kind of security changes pretty quickly. With your sense of it does. Yeah, it does. Somebody once told me we lose the illusion of control. There you go. There really is one hope that lasts. And he was forever from the beginning. As a matter of fact, he created the beginning theologically. There you go. And he will be with us no matter where. Yeah. And the point isn't that we are doing better or that we are feeling better. The point is that we are with him. Hmm. And people want hope. And this is a hope we can genuinely offer that's going to last, and we can offer it with confidence. Many other religions, many other philosophies, many other great self-help books have super material, but this one lasts forever, and it's proven. You and I have both been to the front lines a number of times, and I don't just mean military places, but places where it, you're obviously on the edge of Christianity, mm-hmm. where the, the tip of the spear is actually making a difference, cutting through spiritual forces and advancing the kingdom. Now, the Bible often uses military terminology for this based on the technology of the time. But as far as I understand, ever in Scripture, identify Christianity or the way of Christ as being militaristic. It is used to understand what the requirements are and the privations of it and the difficulties of punching through, spiritually speaking, into places where God's going to use you to transform individuals, cities, and nations. But it is a sense of being present. Now, with God in those situations, you're talking about real and living and abiding hope. I know what you mean by this, Daniel, because I've seen it out there myself. You're not talking about ideas that give you comfort. You're not talking about ways to rationalize yourself into saying, oh, this was worth it. You're talking about a visceral, real thing you experience. Can, Can you flesh that out a bit for me? What's it like for those who experience that? abundant hope out there on the front lines. It's probably best to talk about me because that's the only one I know for sure. And I will start there. But you're a specialist, all right. (laughs) No, I'm saying because I can explain that better. Yeah, I understand. I would say the more I felt weak Mm. in my faith, the more I felt hopeless, that's when it was more real. Yeah. When you're sitting in the hospital with somebody that's gone through strokes every second to third day, you don't know if there's hope, but you're thrilled to be with them. Yeah. Just enjoy them. Enjoy their love. I know you've been on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was with God. When David talked about his dangers, because he lived on the edge of the sword and the point of the spear from Saul, we forget sometimes that it was easily 20 years that he was on the run. Mm-hmm. And he lived. He told God his anguish. That was real. But he talked about the real joy and hope of God's presence. Tell me how it's manifesting itself now with people that, the modern Davids, the ones that are out there in Ukraine, on the front lines, people that you've been personally with, what has their experience been like as they give you testimony and tell the story of how God has shown up for them? The first one I remember probably was when had the war had broken out four or five months. Everybody was called up through like age 65 for various things. Mm-hmm. And our director for the Ukraine ministry was 60. And he got called up mm-hmm. to go dig trenches. The physical conditions are not ideal, shall we say. His first thought was, well, I've been directing the ministry via the radio to speak hope. Now, there are going to be a lot of guys digging trenches with me that aren't feeling too hopeful. How can I speak hope to them? And as I'm with them, Lord willing, if I return, how will I have learned to speak hope better to these people? I don't think many of us ask God to go dig trenches at a front line so we can know him better. As a matter of fact, I think that's kind of absurd. 
It's not the kind of opportunity we're aiming for, no. Whether we're in poverty or in stress, as Paul says, in whatever circumstances I'm in, I've learned to be content. Content doesn't mean we don't want something more or less. Content means we're content in him because that's all that can really make us content. Yeah. So that was one of the first and best illustrations for me. There have been others since then. Yeah. And he's a servant leader too. So that's had an impact on the people that have served mm-hmm. alongside them or people that you've discovered out there that have stories that are rich in God's grace at work. Can you give me an example, perhaps even using a euphemism of somebody that's been a listener, a hopeless person who encountered hope through the TWR programming that told you their story? I would say one of them isn't a specific story, but it's probably one of the most repeated responses. And so often you can almost quote it. And that's for women whose husbands are off at the front. They don't have their normal income. They don't know if they're going to have a husband or her father. And likely they've not heard from them. They have children. Are the children having a father? You know, and when you're stressed Mm -hmm. with child rearing, having two parents is a huge advantage. Yes. And then on top of that, you take the worst situation and it just turbocharges the stress and the difficulty and the worries. Right. We hear tons of responses, daily responses from women saying, we hang on your broadcasts Mm. because you are people talking about real situations and we're there. God has helped you in your situation. You gave help and God has helped you in this other situation just like me, then I can hold on to. Or maybe that's a God I would like to have. Fair enough. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith Challenges and Opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at one 800 868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone, no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. We hear tons of responses, daily responses from women saying, we hang on your broadcasts because you are people talking about real situations and we're there. God has helped you in your situation. You gave help and God has helped you in this other situation just like me. Then I can hold on to. Or maybe that's a God I would like to have. 
Fair enough. That seems to be the power of testimony as described in the Word of God anyway, which is you can't disagree or counter somebody's personal testimony of what God's been doing in their life because it's theirs. They possess that. And that's actually probably one of the biggest changes or additions to our programming. Like I said, a lot of it was earlier to believe, help the church build it up and be strong, and we have that. But right now, the church is responding to conditions they never had. Right. And this whole society is so. One of it is this director is Alexander Schmutz. And every Sunday, he has a very simple program called Sundays with Schmut, which kind of rhymes in Ukrainian. But it's just talking to him and him talking about how he's living through the local situation with his people. And it's a very just straight on normal talk, but it's a hugely popular program. Another one they have done is as the members of the different production groups are in different cities or can travel, they just go and interview people either on the street or from the churches there and telling the stories. Getting the pulse, the heartbeat of the country. It's what's happening in other places. People want news. And it's been especially amazing for a lot of the new believers or the believers in these cities. Not to say God made everything rosy. God made everything better. I have five times as much food. Mm. So walking with God and obeying God doesn't mean you have all kinds of food. It doesn't mean that the bombs didn't fall for four days. It doesn't mean the sun shined brighter. Yeah. But it does mean he helped you be patient with your children. Mm. He helped you be patient standing in line. He helped you find a place that might have food. But most of all, that you could take a deep breath and breathe out and say, he's with me and he loves me. And that's a huge message when people are under stress. Yeah, it is. Is there anybody who loves and cares for me? Here's the most high God. He created this blooming universe. Mm Mm-hmm. And so certainly he's got a little power left over for me. You would hope so. And to test that is how the proof comes out, right? You actually dare God to do something to show up. And it's amazing how God, or each person, in the love language that they understand, shows up. Um, Daniel, how has God showed up for you as you administrate and encourage and speak life into all of your contributors, your program developers, your on-the-front-line reporters? You're dealing with the entire world because of the work you do as the technical director of all these mm-hmm. broadcasts. How has God been moving in your heart since this challenge of having to deal with an entire continent that seems to be descending into madness? The first one I just say is probably incredible thankfulness and incredible sense of pride in the team. Mm. Because I can't go there to record programs. Right. I can't go there to teach them. Not all of them speak. Languages I do. Mm-hmm. I'm very incredibly thankful. My job is distributing the content. So I get the audio files from people and I send them to the right transmitters at the right time or right internet outlets so they can hear them. But I'm the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I can't make those programs. I can't go to somebody's door and say, you're going to make the program whether you have power or not. Here's your batteries, at least. So we have a team of three of us on a practical daily level. I'm there for the program or media content part. I have a friend who's on the technical side, and that's mostly because he speaks both German and English comfortably. Mm-hmm. I understand German, but I don't really speak it. And the head of our ministry that oversees all of these areas speaks some English, but German more comfortably. So basically, this is not a paid advertisement, but on Microsoft Teams, we have our own channel <laughs> that we're just there all the time. And in the beginning, it was literally any time of the day or night. Right trying to urgently get a program for the next day. That has stabilized, and it's a credit to the people. It's not because the situation is easier. The director of the Russian, Ukraine, and Belarus ministry has done an incredible job, first and most importantly, to encourage her team. 
Secondly, to provide as many tools as we can from the outside. And third is, how can she work with the rest of us to make the path as smooth as possible? Yeah. So I am so thankful for good team members. Yeah. And that's what God says, you know, we're, we're all a different part of the body. And the second part of thankfulness is to the team in country. They've done everything to make it happen. And they've done everything where it meets our standards. Now, we flex a lot of standards short term, but, you know, we, even we can't do that infinitely. Right. We run out of staff and out of time. And they have really done the work, not just with the content, not just with their life situations, but in trying to fit that in to broadcasting. Right. Because broadcasting has its own demands in any country. And I'm pretty impressed and pretty in awe. Before we continue with this conversation, Daniel, I want to let our listeners know how they can pick up a stream of some of the work that you deliver to these countries. Uh, I'd have to look up a direct link, or if they go to the website of TWR.org, it's probably one of the top five stories on the front, and you can follow it down for a link. Okay. So we do have some. And I would hope that our listeners to this program would take the time to actually go visit your people and your work because you are touching so many corners of the globe simultaneously. The other area of pride for me is... We have had some who did have to leave the country, mm. and some could, some should. I, I'm not getting into what's right and wrong, right. but a lot of people that had to chose in their new country to do anything they could do to support the ministry back to their own people. Good. I know people from one of the Bible colleges in Ukraine that from the U.S., they are now translating and adapting great material for people in trauma and treat people in crisis. Awesome. So we are airing it back in. I know we had a guy that had worked with them for many years, had to take his family for some special medical conditions, and they stayed in our office for six weeks, and we set him up because he could coordinate things. He had a good infrastructure. And where he's moved on to another country, he's continued to be involved and provide Christian counseling materials for people in the country, both print and, and audio. So it's easy to forget where you came from, especially when you finally can breathe and you're out of danger. And their people haven't. Yeah. When you own your family and you treat the kingdom of God like it is literally your first line of offense, your first line of defense, and your first circle of influence, when the church is your body— and the church is your family, you don't leave them behind. You find yourself in prayer constantly for and about and around the people that God has put in your heart to love. And that is our first place of love, is it not? I mean, I hear in the scripture that God wants us to love our enemies as ourselves. He wants all that happen, but it always seems to be an overflow from the kind of love he's already built into the family of God. We can't learn to love our enemies or anybody else outside of us if we haven't even learned how to love, period. And it's one of the things that seems to be one of the hallmarks of your team is that you just keep reminding us of how much God's love is showing up for each other, how they love each other in the work they do, because they are their body. And I would hope that we would be praying the same way, that God would be increasing their love and the power of that, so that when they minister, that that power of love and hope flows out like a fire hose to the countries that you minister in. You know, Bram, I've gotten and been given more love than anybody could ever give back and more assistance. And I think that's true, even if it's just from God for our salvation. That, of course, is the greatest. But once you've been given a lot, it's natural to want to give back. Yeah. Otherwise, we are indeed very sick. Mm. Now, that's in some ways it is a debt of love. And the Bible says that yeah. in some ways 
even better, I hope it's just love. No conditions. No, we've received the scripture. Look, I look on my phone, and how many versions of the Bible do I have in English? A gazillion. And then the country where I grew up, the main language has about 10 translations. The secondary language has the New Testament from an amateur translation. Hmm. So we're not going to be thankful for having so many versions of the Bible. Are we going to be thankful for so many versions? Or are we just going to and look out and say, how can we help others? Or are we going to go say, oh, I don't like these translations and fight each other instead of telling others? <laughs> and they're playing those kind of fights. That we like or don't like something's legitimate. Yeah. But where do we put our focus? Yeah. My guest, Daniel Blett of Transworld Radio, will be back with me tomorrow for the rest of this conversation. I hope you'll tune in then. In the meantime, I hope you'll also check out their website at twr.org. There you'll find the latest news from all their regions of focus, and it truly is worldwide. Will you help us get ready for the next big faith challenges and opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief Partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. And please note our new mailing address, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. That's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. If you missed anything on today's program, of course, the podcast is always available online to check that out, too. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.